You may notice when you come to gather here at the Moody Church that the service has a flow or a theme throughout that uh, service. And you'll see that here today. You've seen how we've talked about believing in God in faith and trusting in him uh, through challenges. You'll see that we speak of, well, even the last verse we sang, each strand of sorrow has a place within this tapestry of grace. Through, so through the trials, I choose to say your perfect will in your perfect way. You may have also noticed that the title slide for our series on Joseph looks maybe a little strange. I'm guessing at some point you've noticed it, that it actually seems that the, uh, the graphic designers could not create a straight line. And so you'll sort of see on the slides, it's Joseph. And why would that be? Well, part of what we're illustrating here is that the journey that Joseph is on is a lesson, a learning, an opportunity for growth for us to see that sometimes life doesn't go perhaps the way we expected it, but God is working his plan in his way. There's a tapestry of our lives that ultimately will of it one day be fully revealed. Again, each strand of sorrow, the song we just sang, has a place within this tapestry of grace. Well, I think when we look at a tapestry, we get a picture of what that reveals in the story. And tapestries actually have a part of the history of the church. We might think of a tapestry as something that's uh, put on a wall or on a floor. But actually, in the periods of time throughout the history of the church, tapestries would be rolled up and moved from place to place because they would tell a story about a certain biblical character or a biblical figure. Matter of fact, this is a tapestry from the 1600s. It's called The Story of Joseph and Potiphar's Wife. Now, you'll see in this tapestry a lot of things are going on. There's actually a series of pictures around the outside of it as well. But, but let's zoom in for just a second and let's take a look at the center of it. Because here it actually tells the story in this tapestry of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. It starts over here. It goes counterclockwise around. But you'll see the center of the tapestry was surrounded by 25 different little pictures. And, uh, and then in the left foreground right here are two, two men, right? They're actually uh, negotiating negotiating the price of the third man, right? So we know that that's actually Potiphar uh, negotiating Joseph's sale into slavery. Looking on over here, actually, is uh, Potiphar's wife, right? So, so Potiphar's wife is already in the picture uh, watching this, right? And it goes around. You can see, well, you get closer, you can see up in the corner was, was actually Joseph fleeing from Potiphar's wife. And, and then the next little frame shows the guards taking him to prison as well. Let's go on the next frame. You'll see the guards uh, over here in the corner. The guards are taking him uh, to prison. Now, why? Why so much time on this character named Joseph? You know, why are we talking about this great-grandson of Abraham? Why are we talking more about the great-grandson of Abraham in the book of Genesis than we're speaking about Abraham himself? This is a story filled with faith-building themes like integrity and faithfulness, trust, and forgiveness. But above all is the loving hand of our heavenly Father who's directing all things for the fulfillment of his promises, his purposes for our ultimate good and for his eternal glory. God's making a tapestry, and sometimes we don't see the fullness of that until later. But here we come to a place where all of a sudden we're talking about Joseph, and we come back to start talking well, what about dad? So Joseph's dad is named Jacob. And so it's interesting in this story to kind of walk through the story of Joseph, how he was sold by his brothers and his father thought he was dead and, 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 and all these things go on. And sometimes we can forget about his dad 
uh, Jacob. Jacob was lied to by 11 of Joseph's brothers. He was told his son, uh, Joseph, had died, lied to for decades, right? But the story of Joseph is, 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 is one that impacts his family as well. Maybe to, to impact, we overlook how it impacts Jacob. Joseph's mother, Rachel, actually died in childbirth uh, to his younger brother, Benjamin. All these things are around Jacob's life. And last week, we saw how Jacob responded to the news that Joseph was alive. But we're going to take a, now a deep dive into the question of Joseph uh, and J- Joseph's father, Jacob, when he discovers his son is alive. We'll do that by looking at four things and then a, a fifth thing that we'll call a, a bonus point, really, as we get closer to the end. So number one on our outline, God goes with Jacob. You may have noticed this theme throughout the, the whole series of Joseph, that God was with him. Well, here it says this. It says this in Genesis chapter 46, beginning at verse 2. And it says, and God spoke to Israel. Now, let me say Israel is God's special name for Jacob. So Jacob and Israel are the same person. So God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he, that's Israel slash Jacob, said, here I am. Then he said, God said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down into Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. Then God continues, I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Now, a lot of things going on in this passage that we don't want to miss. We want to make sure we grab a hold of and see the fullness of the picture, what the writer wants wants us to see and to know. But clearly, it starts with God is present with Jacob. This is a theme we saw with Joseph. God was with him. Well, here, God specifically says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But he says, I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you back up to where he was. I will bring you back up to Canaan, to what we'd call Israel, again. So even when he was being lied to, even when his, he was grieving his son's death, God was still with Jacob. But Jacob really gets the incredible privilege to hear God say that to him, and now Jacob gets instructions from God to go to Egypt. Now, you may notice that when I read the passage, I emphasized the phrase that I will make you into a great nation, because that's a reminder that God is giving Joseph and Jake, excuse me, Jacob in this case, that's a reminder of something that his grandfather had heard before. Look with me at Genesis 26 and 24. It says, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, this is Abraham, says, I am the God of Abraham your father, right, right, specifically generationally now, fear not for I am with you and will bless you and will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So Abraham hears the promise, right? We, we get it now generationally as well. His grandfather hears the promise. And over and over again, I will make you a great nation. God has a plan that has not been lost. Now, that plan, they might have been confused about that plan and why it would involve some time in Egypt. Why not the land that God had promised? Why should we go down to Egypt? You see, but God had a plan. In fact, God knew there was a famine that was coming, and, and, and we know that Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. We know that this, they had to leave. He left the land of promise to go. He was sold into slavery, now in a foreign land. But it's a land in that land of exile, in the midst of famine, where God would bring his people, who would one day form a great nation, but they needed to come into Egypt for a while so they might be safe, so they might have food. 
so they might ultimately grow and prosper and then the events of the Exodus would actually come about later. So in the midst of famine and exile, this was a blessing for them. In the midst of famine and exile, God has a plan. God goes with Jacob. He says, I'm going to build you, out of you, a great nation, but for now, we're going to go into Egypt. Now, the promise is we're going to come back to this place. We're going to come back to the land that I have promised you. But let me read to you Genesis 28. It's not on the screen, but just the references. Genesis 28, 14 through 16 says this. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. This is important. Remember that. Be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you, well, I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. So we know Jacob has actually received this promise before. He's been reminded of this reality that we see in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, right? He knows, and and the promise here in the passage we read is, I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hands will close your eyes. We'll actually get to this in this message today. So where Jacob is given a preview of the exile, right? They're going to go to Egypt, but also given the hope of the promise, this is twofold, right? One, Egypt will not be the permanent home of this great nation that God is forming. Second, his beloved son will be with him at the hour of his death. So in the midst, in the midst of exile, there's promise. There's this sense of promise that we would see the psalmist write about and says this in Psalm 73, 23 and 24. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. This is the kind of promise that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph believe to be true. So as we look to this passage, we can walk by faith today even, knowing that God is weaving a beautiful tapestry of our lives, and we'll see in just a bit it's made full in Christ. So God sovereignly, though, here at this time, goes with Jacob, freeing him to leave the comfortable and familiar, and doing so, go into a foreign land where he's carrying in himself the promises of God for the future. Which leads to the second point. We're going to go walk through some of the narrative here. The second point is Jacob is reunited with Joseph. Just to remind you, now again, if you're worshiping us online for the first time in a while, or maybe you haven't been here a few weeks, it is hard to sort of jump into the middle of this story. So let me encourage you that the last several weeks, our our team has been preaching through these passages about Joseph's life. It's great to sit down and watch them and sort of bring back up to speed, because I'm coming kind of near the end of the story. But Jacob is reunited here with Joseph. I'm going to read to you. It's not going to be on your screen. Just listen with your hearts and let me read to you what happens. It says, so then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, slash Jacob, right? Israel, his father, in Goshen. He presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Israel, that's his father, Jacob, Israel slash Jacob, said to Joseph, now let me die since I have seen your face and know you are still alive. I mean, you you could see that, right? He he thought for decades that his son was gone and his brothers had lied. Joseph's brothers had lied to their father about this. He said, all right, I've seen this. Now I can die. And so he goes on. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and I will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who are in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds for they have been keepers of livestock. And they have brought their flocks and their herds and all they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You say, 
Your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So it's interesting that in God's plan, shepherds would be disliked, disapproved of by the Egyptians. And by saying this to Pharaoh, because remember, Joseph's now basically the prime minister under Pharaoh. And by saying this to Pharaoh, that they're shepherds, they'll send you away to a nice place, but they don't want you around everybody else. Don't miss this. This is part of God's design too. Because if they had been sent to live in maybe the cities or with others, maybe they would have lost their identity, lost their identity as the people of God. They would have mixed together and lost who they were, but by being isolated and then growing and then growing and then growing, we eventually hear the story of the exodus that flows from some of these decisions here. Now, again, I, I love the phrase. He says, he says, now let me die since I've seen your face and know that you're alive. We say that sometimes, right? At Thanksgiving dinner, you're going to pull back from the table at some point and says, I'm done. I can die now. I've had enough stuffing. I've had enough turkey. The tryptophan kicks in, and there you are, right? So there's a sense of completion, right? I am done, but God's not done with Jacob, right? So Jacob is content, but God's not done. So there's still more that God has intending to do. Uh, Joseph has a plan for his family to prosper, and his plan is to go to Pharaoh, to, uh, basically describe them as shepherds, so they'll be put these, I mean, these are reprehensible jobs. These are like the worst jobs to the Egyptians, but he's, he's protecting his brothers, who, by the way, don't miss this, who have done dishonorable things, and he's now protecting them by going before Pharaoh. God is sovereignly directing Joseph to provide and Jacob to prepare to be a blessing, right? Now, again, we're seeing this in the sense of what God's weaving in their lives, both Jacob and Joseph's now. He's calling the walk by faith, right? By knowing God is weaving a beautiful tapestry of Joseph's life and now of Jacob's life, but it's not fully known until Christ. More on that in a minute. So number three in our outline, right, is Jacob blesses Pharaoh. Now at this point, this should catch your attention because it's a strange thing that somebody who would be the weaker would bless the stronger, right? So um, it's a bit like somebody coming up to me and saying, Ed, would you, would you go to this, uh, this sports game, right? I hear we're having a sports game today. And I was going to have a long message. I tweeted it. And some of you pointed out that the, the Bears are playing at noon. Well, first of all, you need to get right with God about your priorities. And I understand the Bears aren't doing that well anyway. But anyway, that's... And I don't know. I don't know. I know a little about it, but I'm for them because they're Chicago. But you know, it's kind of like me going to a player. I don't even know a single player who plays football for the Bears. But if I did, it'd be kind of like me going to one of the players and saying, "Listen, I bless you with all of my sportageness." But <laughs> I have no sportageness, right? So, so how can I bless anybody with that? So, how in the world? Well, let's 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 listen to what happens. This is Genesis 47, beginning at verse five and going to uh, to verse 10. It says this. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph. This is Pharaoh, they're before Pharaoh now. Pharaoh said to Joseph, remember Joseph's kind of the prime minister, he's brought his brothers, his father, says, your father and your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen, and if you know any able, among, an able man among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many days are the years of your life? 
And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of my years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of my life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And again, in case we miss it, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. See, we begin to see some of the tapestry of Joseph's life right here sort of coming into the full picture. So we look at Jacob, so we understand Joseph's life, the woven intricacies of his life that now, because in God's goodness he had a plan for his people, God has brought Jacob, his father, before Pharaoh, who would then settle the people in a land where they could grow as a people with their own identity so they could be the people of God who one day, Moses says, let my people go. So, but this is centuries, right, before we even know some of the details that will flow from this. God has his plan. And he took Joseph from the pit to the prison to the palace, saying the whole time God was with him. And then he took Jacob from mourning to being a blessing. The blessing indicated here, not once, but twice. He blessed him at the beginning, and he blessed him at the end. Why? Because God provides for Jacob. So we see the provision in Jacob's life. Now, now, now again, he basically says to Pharaoh, says, gives his sons all the land they need and honors them, Goshen, in Goshen with the best of the land. But here's the thing, and it's worth remembering that um, you're not always going to see God's plan in the tapestry of your life. And sometimes you're going to get frustrated. And I think we see just a little bit. Jacob, let me just say, Jacob's not always the best example in a whole lot of ways. Now, we're mainly focusing on Joseph, but we could do a study of Jacob's life. And it's not exactly a bastion of awesome faithfulness. But here at the Joseph's picture of his life being completed here, that God's plan, that now we have a people in Goshen, in Egypt, that could grow into a great nation that would then bless all nations, that, that Jacob is seeing this, and Jacob still, Jacob's attitude is kind of pitiful. I mean, listen to what he says. He says, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. Now, I'm not saying Jacob didn't have hard times, but I am saying it's a reminder to you and to me that even when sometimes God is working, sometimes we're frustrated with the way it looks in our lives. And Jacob certainly was. Few and evil are the days of my life. Jacob's life is actually filled with the fulfillment of God's promise and the power of God's provision, yet he claims it's filled with evil. This, this maybe isn't the guy you wanted standing before the king, but before the Pharaoh, but, but God uses Jacob. God uses Jacob, and it's part of the tapestry of Joseph's life. So as we look at Joseph, who's so overrepresented in the book of Genesis compared to other characters, God wants us to see the fullness of his work in Joseph's life. And in spite of Jacob's pitiful attitude, Jacob blesses Pharaoh twice. And don't miss that, right? He goes from the, on the verge of starvation, that's where Jacob was, on the verge of starvation, to now being before the most powerful man in the known world and saying, I'm going to bless you. Now, there's a lot going on here, right? There's a lot going on here that, that again, I, part of the challenge is, is Pastor Bill, he's sort, of, he's sort of in charge. He's the Pharaoh in this story. So he assigns the texts that we have each week. And so he gave me two chapters to cover today. There, there's so many amazing things I'm leaving on the table because of the Pharaoh. 
For example, right here, I mean, don't miss the picture, right? That Joseph, who's a picture of Jesus through, throughout, mentioned several times in the Bible, is a picture of Jesus. He brings his brothers to his, if you will, his father, the leader, without any mention of what they have done to him and sees them blessed and changed. You see the picture that's there. Don't miss that. Or, or, or how, how this is a picture of how the people of Israel will grow into a mighty nation and bless the world and how Christ will come from that. There's so much there that I want to tell you, but I can't because of faith. But I can tell you this, Genesis 12 verses 2 and 3 is now beginning to be fulfilled because it says, I will make you of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so you'll be a blessing, right? And I will bless those who bless you and, 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 and he, him who dishonors you, I will curse. And, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so here's that promise that goes back Jacob's father and grandfather and great-grandfather. Now Jacob is actually standing before the ruler of the known world and he has nothing but a hard luck story and hunger. And he says, I bless you not once, but twice. Don't miss that. God is sovereignly blessing Jacob to be a blessing to Pharaoh. And when we get the full picture of what's going on here, we're seeing the tapestry of Joseph's life. Walk by faith, knowing God is weaving a beautiful tapestry of Joseph's life, Jacob's life, even your life. At least number four in our outline, right? So we get to Jacob's death and Joseph's promise. We kind of fast forward a little to chapter 47. Let me just read for you verses 27 through 31 because they tell some important parts of the story. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were 147 years. And when the time draw near that Israel must die, remember Israel slash Jacob, he called his son Joseph. So Jacob's about to die. He calls his son Joseph and says to him, quote, if now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Now I know that's a strange expression, um, but it's kind of like you would put your hand on a seat and then someone would sit on it and it would be a way of making a promise. That may seem like a strange way, but I mean, we're a culture that actually has what we call pinky promises. I mean, so there are strange ways that people make promises to one another. So they'd put the hand and then they would sit on the hand and, and, and it's basically saying, you're, you're, I mean, in a sense, it's saying you're gonna be stuck or, or connected or unchanged. You can't get out of this promise is what it means. Just like you can't move your hand, you can't get out of this promise. So he says, he says, put your hand under my thigh, promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Don't miss what he says. Do not bury me in Egypt. Let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. So much symbolism here. But he answered, he answered, I will do as you said. Joseph says, I'll do as you said. And Jacob says back, swear to me. And he swore to him. And then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. There's a picture in what would it put on his bed, on a staff, where he's laying down in the rest of death. So here's what we find. First, we see that Jacob's family prospers. They're in Egypt, they're in Goshen. The family prospers. He thought he was going to die when he saw Jacob. Then he spent 17 years in a new land. His family prospers. He gets to see his th sons thrive in a new land. 
And then Joseph's promise is before him, right? So this is not their home. They have a greater home. They know that, right? A better home waiting for them. And, and, and in faith, Joseph and Jacob believe that God is going to bring the people back home again to that land that we'd call Israel. The tapestry of his life, Joseph would know, would think, it's okay, we're here. It's part of God's plan, but there's also a bigger plan. So when Jacob says, don't leave my bones here, he's reminding us that God has a bigger plan and the people of Israel belong in a place called Israel. See, here's the thing. We walk by faith, right, knowing God is weaving a beautiful tapestry for Joseph, for Jacob, and ultimately for us, but sometimes it looks like a mess, there's a very famous, um, in Christian re- writing and reading, and very, very famous woman by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. This is a picture of her. And she's, um, she lived a very uh, difficult life. She's, of course, with the Lord now. But one of the things she would often talk about was how God would weave in the tapestry of life. Now, we don't have time to f- explain fully her story, but the Holocaust is a key part of her story. So this is not a person who's had an easy life and just said, well, thank God you took care of everything. It was all so simple. No, not at all. But she would often hold up some embroidery, a type of tapestry, if you will, that she used as a metaphor of understanding um, God's ways. It actually looked like this when you zoom up close, and it actually looks like this crown. And this is uh, the tapestry that was made that would point to uh, this beauty and suffering. We'd suffer, but God is working towards making a crown in the midst of that suffering. And when you hear her story, you can actually, I, I, last night I was just reviewing finally for my message and I, I Googled and I just watched her talk and, and her explain that, that God is working through suffering and she told some of her own story and I was just struck by how difficult her life has been and how by comparison my suffering has been so small. But I think sometimes what happens is when people who go through suffering and they see, maybe not on this side, sometimes on the other side, we talked about that last week, how some people see on this side what the tapestry looks like. But here's the reality is, right? It's a beautiful tapestry. It's a, it's a beautiful picture, but we don't always get to see it from our vantage point. This is sometimes what it looks like from our vantage point because that's what it looks like on the other side of that embroidery. That's what it looks like on the other side of that tapestry, right? So what happens is we look at it and we have to say, God, you must have a plan. We can't see it, right? So that's Joseph and that's Jacob in their lives. No wonder Jacob would sometimes be bitter. No wonder Joseph, who knew God was with him, might have asked at times, God, why all this and why now? Joseph and Jacob both did not see how fully, but they knew that God was at work. So that tapestry of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, that the Christians in days past would roll up and they would go from church to church and unroll it and say, let me tell you the story based upon this. That tapestry that they would say right here when Joseph is being sold to Potiphar, when Potiphar's wife is looking over and then Potiphar, ultimately Potiphar's wife tries to falsely accuse him and then he ends up in a prison and he goes from, again, he goes from the pit to the prison to the palace and yet in the midst of all of this, God is weaving a beautiful tapestry. The challenge is, is God sometimes making a crown when you just see the mess. We don't see the reality before us. 
And my encouragement to you today has been the encouragement to me as I've been dwelling in these passages this week is that God has a plan in your life and sometimes you just get to see this. Now maybe on this side of eternity you'll get to see this, but all of us eventually look back and say, that's what you were doing. Turn to somebody and say, that's amazing. It is. But here's the thing, it is amazing because God's making a tapestry. But wait, there's actually more amazing things. I told you there were four things and and then a bonus fifth point. Because you can't look at the life of Jacob and Joseph and not miss the fact that there's a lot of picture of Christ in here. I mentioned last week, others have mentioned it in the weeks prior. You can't miss that, right? You can't miss, for example, that his brothers betrayed him and tried to kill him and yet when he came back to them in love he welcomed them back when he goes before his pharaoh father he doesn't even tell them he doesn't even tell pharaoh father about the sins of his brothers but instead because they're with their brother right they now and Christ is our brother right it's such a powerful picture but he's the first fruits and and when he brings us to the father the father doesn't see our foolishness and the mistakes and the sins and the brokenness of our lives he sees Jesus and just as Pharaoh saw Joseph God sees Jesus and thank God that we're his brothers and sisters with our lives marked by sin who God only sees Christ's righteousness so Number five is God speaks a better word to us. So you might ask the question, so Ed, are you going to drastically make a turn to Jesus? Um, Spurgeon, very famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon would say he preached the message and then he'd make a beeline to the cross. Well, actually, in this case, I don't, I don't have to. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I have no problem preaching a proverb and saying, let me tell you how this proverb relates to God the Son born Jesus the Christ who died on the cross for our sin and in our place. That's making a beeline to the cross. But what if I told you that at the end of Jacob's life, you had it better than Jacob? What if I told you that even as Joseph could see the tapestry of his life, you had it better than Joseph? Because the title of this message is Jacob, Joseph, and Jesus. And you may wonder how it is Jacob, Joseph, and Jesus. Well, actually, the Gunters read the passage earlier in the service. And we see the words in Hebrews 11 that were the dominating of our reading, and here's what they said. They said, by faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. Right, I'm going quickly. By faith, Abraham. By faith, wait, Isaac. Abraham, Isaac. We're starting to hear some names, so let's slow down. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Jacob. Next slide. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So there's Jacob in here, right? And so we slowed down just enough, and then it says, by faith, Joseph, right? So Jacob and Joseph are actually in the New Testament as pictures of faith, and then it goes on and it says, by faith, Moses, and then it goes, by faith, Rahab, and it goes on later, talks about David and Samuel and all the prophets, but don't miss what it says about all of them, including Jacob and Joseph. It says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received, none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us. So Jacob got to see and Joseph got to see, but what you have is better than even their understanding of God's purpose for their lives. Since God has planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. God speaks a better word to us. 
So the writer of Hebrews actually points to the faith that they evidenced and said, but there's something better for followers of Jesus. And might I also say that by faith, they also looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. So they too looked upon the coming of God the Son, Jesus the Christ. You see, it wasn't, we, 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 we hear throughout the passage that God was with Joseph. Awesome. God was with Jacob. But don't miss this. Jesus is present with us eternally. He actually says in Matthew 28, 20, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So when you hear God was with Joseph, you're like, that's awesome. God was with Jacob. That's awesome. Jesus says, I'm with you always. And if you'll not miss, don't miss how beautiful it was that Joseph is reunited with his father, right? And, but, but don't miss that Jesus reunites us with our heavenly father. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. God's reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He has a better word for us even than that of Joseph and Jacob. Romans 5.10 says this, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall be saved by his life. So it's a better story, not just that we see the tapestry, though we might on this side of eternity and we certainly will on the next side of eternity, not just that we have to trust him by faith, but ultimately that he's there with us. He's united us with our Father. He's blessed and blesses us so that we too might be a blessing. It says this in Ephesians 2, not 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And if you're here today, and maybe you've been walking through the story of Joseph and Jacob today, or maybe this is your very first time, you're like, I've always thought God had a plan. You didn't really know what that plan looked like. I want to invite you to respond to that plan. You don't know what it is. You know, I came home yesterday, and I was, I was with the Navigators um, yesterday in Orlando at their national staff gathering. And I, and I, and I, I, came, and I, I came here and I got, in, uh, I got in my Uber at the airport and, and, and I got in and, and, and there's this, there was a, a woman who's driving and, and, and you may be here today, so, so, so I, I'm not going to name you. Uh, but, but we began to talk and, and, and we started having this conversation and, and I said, well, where are you from? And she says, well, I'm from Turkey. I said, that's great. I've been to Turkey. And, and, and then I began to talk and have a conversation with her and she said, well, I'm Kurdish. I said, oh, Kurds have been in the news. I know that's hard. Are you from Erbil? She said, you know where Erbil Beal is? And, and I said, well, I do. I mean, I know a little bit about the area. And, 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 she, and she said, well, what do you do? So, well, I'm a teacher. And, and she says to me, well, what do you teach? I said, Christianity, just a broad topic. And, and she said, well, I've been reading about that. And she takes a book off of her dashboard where she has the Torah, the Quran, and the New Testament together. And she says, she says, it's not a mistake that you would come into this car with me when I'm trying to understand something about God and the universe, you know, something about Kurds, you know, something Thing about Turkey. And I, and I said to her, look at Jesus in the Gospel of John. I said, the Quran says, listen to Esau. So listen to Jesus, Esau in Arabic. And she said, I will. And I said, let me tell you about where I'm preaching tomorrow. She said, she said, tell me. I said, it's actually, have you been to the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul? She says, I love the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul. I said, I've been to the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul. I said, let me show you some pictures of the Moody Church. It was architecturally inspired. And so I showed her these windows, and I showed her those doors, and she said, it looks like the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul. And I said, yes, it is not a mistake that we are having this conversation today. 
And I want you not to miss this for all of us. I don't know that she'll follow Jesus tomorrow or next week or next month. But what I want you to miss is, not miss is, is that all of us are going to look back to our life and say, that's when God was weaving the tapestry. And we can see it in Joseph and we can see it in Jacob. But then we have a better word because we have Jesus. Sisters and brothers, we have a greater promise than Jacob. We have a greater promise than Joseph. Let me read a couple of passages as we close. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 through 22 says, in Christ we have hope in this, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection from the dead. For as in all Adam die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. I want to invite you today to call upon the Savior who directed the lives of Jacob, Joseph, and people throughout history, but also today wants to intervene in your life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might respond today by grace and through faith to trust him. And the promise, see, Joseph died and was buried, and Jacob's going to die and be buried but in 1 Corinthians 15, 53, and 58, we have even a greater promise. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I invite you to call upon him. Just a few minutes, we're going to have what we call prayer partners going to be available to pray with you. They'll be standing up front. They'll be standing up top. You can call upon the name of the Lord where you sit or with them. But for all of us, can we go back to the beauty of the reality that we have to walk by faith knowing that God is weaving a tapestry in our lives too, and it is made full because of Christ. Father, we come before you today. We acknowledge again today, I acknowledge, Lord, that sometimes I look back on my life or in the moments I'm in, and I think, why this now? But Lord, in your goodness and your grace, you're weaving a tapestry that I may not see this side of eternity. Many of us may look at it and say, we don't understand the mess, but God, you're actually making a masterpiece. So Jesus, draw me nearer, draw us nearer today. As I, as we labor through the storm, you've called me to this passage, and I'll follow, though I'm worn. May this journey bring a blessing. May I rise on wings of faith, and at the end of my heart's testing, with your likeness, let me wake. Lord Jesus, we come before you today, and we ask that you might give us grace and strength to wait on the tapestry to be revealed, but to wait in the fullness of the power of the gospel that is Christ. Would you stand with me just now as we're praying? Father, we stand together. Jesus, draw me ever nearer, even now, as I labor through the storm. Let's sing together.